0: How you doing, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Corey Bosmer, of conversations with Corey and also the person who runs the social media football page on Facebook and Twitter known as Football for Kentucky DBA. Today's guest is former Louisville Cardinal football player, Herb Henry. How you doing today, Herb? I'm good, Corey, and you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for asking. So uh, a mutual acquaintance slash good friend of mine and yours reached out to me a few days ago and said I got a guy that would like to interview and I did my research on you and uh, you know Anthony was correct. Um I wanna jump right into that freak accident that derailed your playing career and altered your life for the folks out there that don't know what exactly happened
1: well i mean you, you call it an accident i me personally i don't think there is no such things as accidents There so are people doing uh-huh. certain things so it leads you to certain places in life so my actions and my choices led me to this uh, particular situation and circumstance that i'm dealing with today so um just a typical college kid going to a party at 18 years old um doing um some you know some Not not college kid things. You know, we're having a beverage or two. We're drinking. We're having a good time. You know, football players, testosterone's involved. So you see we've already got um, our own um, little boys club going on. So you see somebody that's not going with the flow or whatever it is, just any kind of um, animosity. So you're quick to jump in and defend your teammates regardless of the circumstance instead of me questioning what was going on. I just jumped to, to someone's defense, not even remembering who it was. Just it was a former football player. Right. So I, 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 I saw a confrontation. I intervened thinking I'm going to be the guy that that, that, um, that, that um, resolves the conflict. But the way I decided to resolve it was with violence. Mm. Because it seemed like a threat to my friend. So I punched him. And immediately when I punched him, someone was behind me waiting. Bang, bang, bang. So here I am today.
0: Dang, that quick. That quick. You know, one thing I I have to say is, like you say, just being a college kid, you know, uh, people can say what they want. But if they haven't experienced college, they don't really know. But your kids are just kids, you know, being at a party, stuff like that. But what I really want to harp on is how you how you. What you said was it wasn't an accident, how past, you know, choices in life led you to that situation. Like that's pretty poignant and honest. You know, a lot of people out there aren't that honest and, you know, come forth with with that.
1: Well, you, you, you think you, you equate that you think about it in everyday life situations. Think about
0: car. What they call car accidents, so called car accidents.
1: It's not an accident. It's just someone not paying attention.
0: Mm, that's like me. I, uh, a lot of people don't know, but uh, I broke my neck. I want to say so. Don't come. It'll be 17 years ago. This coming up November. I got T-boned. Mm. I got thrown from the driver's seat to the back passenger seat, head hit the front windshield, hand hit the front windshield. They had to cut the car open. I had to wear a neck brace seven and a half, eight months, about 23 and a half hours a day, Mm. seven days a week. But I had nobody to blame but myself. That was Mm. all my fault. Thousand percent. I even ran over a fire hydrant. Like all my, all me. Right. I simply did something I shouldn't have did. I drove drunk. I drove altered. You know what I'm saying? Like, Although it wasn't my fault, it was my fault. No doubt. I so like, I could totally relate to what. So that's, that's one of my biggest things
1: when I when I um, teach or mentor young kids is about accountability of choice. Yeah, You have to understand, first off yourself, what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. And then have some kind of center of balance because you can't do things out of control without balance. So, so many times we do things and we're out of control. We're just trying, trying, trying without being centered, you know, and focused and and in balanced with the um an understanding of what we're trying to accomplish. We're just going because everybody else is doing it. But when you have focus and vision and you have a a, 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 a some direction, then you can move with some kind of control. But if you're just going because everybody else is doing it, you could you're just confused energy and you're moving and you 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 have no clue what the outcome's gonna be because you don't have any intentions. You're just doing what the crowd's doing. So I tell
0: you no, nah, no, nah, you you right, though. But like I tell you another situation where accident, you know, I had just given my wife had just given birth to our second child about five years. This accident happened a little over five years ago. I hit a semi head mm. on. I'm on my way to take a drug test for a job. I'm a, I am on my phone, but I was on my phone for GPS purposes solely. That was right. it. And my phone had dropped and, you know, i pick it back up. I had the right hand. I had a right turn. I had a green light. I had a green light. And here comes this semi turning, dude coming up ahead. Wasn't nothing I could do. Hit the semi about out of 100%, about 80 to 90% head on. And here I am like. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. You said no, no, no. I was just going to
0: say it's, it's crazy. It's crazy what you go through and what you can make it through in life. No doubt. Adversity.
1: Adversity. I agree with you. But like you say, you dropped that phone and it was an accident, but you weren't paying attention at the time because if your head was up, we mostly drive defensively. You can see that coming. And I slow down and avoided, but that when, yep. that's a second when you wasn't paying attention, all it takes is one set to not be paying attention. You lost focus, and there it is.
0: Yeah. So let's get back to when that situation happened. When, when it happened, at what point in time did you know that you would have to be in a wheelchair? When I woke up in the hospital. Well,
1: not actually then,
0: because I like
1: how you. I like how you said that though. He's like shit pretty quick. It, it didn't really hit me then. It hit me more so because I was in the hospital for a good while. I think I was, um, I had chest tube in and a feeding tube in. So I was laid up for about a week or two before I actually went. Mm. To, it really hit me. I had a, a, um, a, a, um, a brace on to keep my balance. So once they, they um, I got through that process when I went to rehab and they just went to sit me up on the side of a, um, a therapy table, just yeah. to just sit up and I couldn't keep my balance. That's when it hit me because my offensive coordinator, Coach Noor, was there to, to help me my first day of rehab. You're talking and about Greg? Gary Noor. Gary, Gary. Gary Noor was our offensive coordinator, yeah, yeah, at the time. So um, I'm used to being the big, strong running back, and I go from being a big, strong running back to not even being able to sit up. And my coach is sitting here watching this. I just broke down in tears It just crushed me. So I knew it was a process that I was going to have to go through just to start from here, you know, and start over to you know my rehabilitation physically and mentally.
0: That that had that had to be tough for you though, man. Oh, no doubt,
1: no doubt. But the but what carried me was uh, the support of my family and friends. I had strong my mother, father, uh, four older brothers. You know, friends were there, coaches. So yeah, I had a strong support group. So I mean, that really nurtured and carried me to where I am today. So
0: how did you get involved at uh in U of L? How did that come about for you?
1: University of Louisville. Yeah. I, I used to play football. I was an athlete at uh, Dallas High School. So basketball was always my first love, but I, I had all my other brothers play football, so they got scholarships to go on and play football. So I figured if they could do what I could, and me being a six-foot, you know, um, power forward slash, you know, uh, I, I we had six-five guards at the time. Derek Anderson, Chris Travis, Boo Ferguson, you name it. We, so we loaded it guard, and they all can handle the ball and shoot it well. And, you know, I, I'm I'm undersized, but I played big above the rim. So basketball was always my first love. But I was playing out of position. I realized that football was a way for me to get money, get a scholarship to go play ball because my other brothers did it, so I did it. So I just kept playing. Um, I left basketball alone my junior. year. I started as a junior, but I didn't play my senior year. Focused on football, got in the weight room, and I uh, got a, earned a scholarship to U uh, of L. You know, I got scholarship offers from a few other schools, but U of L came in especially they were doing well because they just won the Fiesta Bowl, blew Alabama out like 41 to 35, uh, 41 to seven or something like that. I don't forget what the exact score was, but embarrassed Alabama in the 1990, uh, 91 Fiesta Bowl. So uh, that's when, when I decided to uh, um to join up. I said, yeah, I, I would love to be a part of that collision course, the national
0: championship is what Howard Snellenberg called. It. Uh, it pretty much was at that time. So back to, uh, the situation that happened, were you still involved with the team in any way, shape, or form after that situation happened in life when you were young? Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. They were very supportive of me. Um, they sent me off. They had a, uh, a help her fund, sent me off to Atlanta to do a parastep step program at Shepherd Spinal Center. I would go on the sidelines, and they, I still had access to the games and tickets, which I still to this day. You know, I still, we, they used to give us two alumni tickets. Now they give us one. We have to pay for the other ones, and invite us to all the spring games and everything so i'm still connected to the university
0: that's that's uh that's that's pretty special there so speaking of the university of louisville what's your thoughts on them hiring jeff brown i'm excited for jeff jeff was actually my coach my uh
1: my uh, quarterback at the time of my accident um he actually got hurt that year but um he got hurt the second game of the season i think the tennessee game broke his leg then eric watts had to come in so uh, um E. Watts did a as best a job as he could, but we had a rough season that year. We were two and nine. So, you know, we played a lot of freshmen, you know, a lot of, a lot of rookies. So we were still, you know, we were young at that time. We lost a lot of seniors on that Fiesta Bowl see, uh, year. So we were in a rebuild mode, but uh, um, playing with Jeff was great. You know what I'm saying? He, you could tell he was the alpha, he was the alpha guy by the time I got there, you know, he was very boisterous and uh, um, you know, he was always directing me on where to go me being a rookie, you know, just needing direction. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Jeff and to see what he does. This year. I'm excited to get out there and watch him, support him.
0: Now, prior to Jeff Brom's arrival, do you think were the way that the university and the football program was headed, they needed somebody, not saying Jeff specifically, but an individual like Jeff who knows the city, like the back of his hand, who has strong relationships with high school coaches throughout the state and knows what Louisville's about. Do you think that the program and the university was in a position where they needed somebody like Jeff.
1: Oh, I think Jeff was a perfect hire. I mean, like I said, I'm excited to see where he takes this program. Just like I said, with his knowledge of the city, you know, um able to recruit, you know, right here in his hometown. Um just his understanding of the game. You know, I'm I'm very excited. I, I was been very impressed with what he did down at Purdue. My nephew actually interned with him with him as a strength coordinator down there at Purdue, uh, DeMarco Henry. So yeah, I um it's it's very exciting to see what he comes up with and what he does, you know. So I'm I'm just looking forward to the season coming up.
0: You know, one thing that uh perturbs me a little bit about Rahm's tenure and time while he was at Purdue is a lot of people Just see the overall record of him there. Like, you don't – like, people got to really, truly understand where the program was at prior to Jeff.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, nobody literally talked about Purdue football other than them three years when Drew Brees was there. Other than his – other than Drew – excuse me. Other than the time of Drew Brees there, I can't think of any time in my 38 years of living, bro, part of my French fucking Purdue was ever talked about. Right. Can't name one time until Jeff Bronx. So you got a long stretch of, what, 15, 20-something years that Purdue football never even got thought of until exactly. Jeff arrived. Exactly. You know they, and He was there, what, six years? Uh, was that what it was, six years? I, I didn't Five keep or six, and they went to a minimum of three or four bowl games, made it to the conference championship his final year there. Look at the NFL players he, players he's put in the league since his his time there. Overall record isn't necessarily the end result like Jeff did his thing there. It just makes me, it just aggravates me the people that say he didn't do much. Oh, he definitely made him relative. Exactly.
1: One of, one of his former players is uh, on my, one of my NFL teams, Derek Barnes, uh, a 55 linebacker. So um, he's a, he's a physical specimen. I I, I like to see him develop. He's going into his third year this year. So we'll see if he can uh, um, lock down that starting role. So um, yeah, he's definitely put out some, some, some quality players and, made them relevant again so i'm looking forward to him doing that here with the university and turning our program
0: around oh definitely definitely so with you being a a a graduate of dawes high school one of your former uh buddies uh i know real well kevin watson told Mm -hmm. me a story and it's not a bad one so don't don't worry told me a story i think it was a game might have been against shawnee or one of them schools kind of like shawnee where a situation happened and uh Let's just say you quickly put it to rest. Was it football or basketball? I'm trying to think. I think he's talking
1: about basketball. It
0: might have been basketball.
1: Okay, go, go elaborate. Let
0: me. Matter of fact, just hang tight. I'll, I'll look at. I'll look at the message yeah. while, okay. while we're doing this.
1: I think I know what incident he's talking about, but I want to be sure. I don't want to incriminate myself. So you go right ahead and tell me what
0: what what he had. Yeah, give me give me one second, man. Matter of fact, just give me give me one second. Take your time. Where is it? Where is he at? Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Huh? I can't find it. But uh, mm. I don't know. But it, it was just funny. He said uh, like a situation happened where somebody was from the opposing team uh, did something they shouldn't have, and uh, you just had to show him who you was or something like that. I don't. I don't
1: think it was shiny high school though. What he's talking about. I think because uh, it because uh, I missed the central high school game after the incident he's talking about. We had to oh. play the. Wayne Morton and them, yeah. Um, I think that was Southwest Chris. That was the only, that was probably the only game I ever got ejected from, and it was a fight. It was the same incident. Actually, I'll tell you what what, what happened at U of L. My partner, Chris Travis, got into an incident with one of the players. I don't know what the player said. He said something derogatory. I don't even remember exactly what it said. But me being the protector and you know what I'm saying, defend my teammates. I went up and punched the guy, and I me and Chris got suspended. So we both missed the central game. I'm pretty sure that's
0: what he, I'm, I'm, he's talking about. I don't,
1: remember, I don't recall any um, anything significant against Shiny, but it's probably a Southwest Prison team. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, speaking of Dwayne Morton, I remember watching him play as a kid. Uh, the daycare that I went to, their son was the team manager when, like, Bozak Smith, Morton, Mabin, and all them guys were there. They would go. They would take us. They, Louisville used to have majority of their home games on Tuesday night back when they was in the Metro Conference. A lot okay. of people – Remember the Metro Conference? I was there at the game when uh oh, Dwayne Morton hit the hit that half course shot. I can't remember who it was against, but i I just remember as a little kid him him making that, and I just thought that was the neatest thing ever.
1: Okay, you were you were the um classic classic matchup there.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. So I want to I want to get back to you saying you, you mentoring individuals and young young people. Um, how did you get involved in that, and when did that come about for you?
1: Well, just with my situation, you know, um, as a lot of youngsters that go through what I go through, you know, make, making that transition in life. So you know, me being local, I get a lot of phone calls from parents and saying, you know, my son's going through this. You know, he was paralyzed or shot or whatever it is. So you know, they want some words of encouragement or just some life lessons or just Someone they can relate to. So you know, I'm I'm constantly getting those calls regularly. In addition to playing a um, wheelchair basketball and being around people in wheelchairs, so uh, we have a, the the junior Mustangs is a team that I help coach here locally in Louisville, as well as a um, our adult team, the Louisville Spokes Inspire. So we travel all over and connect with people in our situation from all walks of life. So we're getting directed at different people that need you know
0: whatever it is that we have to offer from all over now with you mentoring people was there ever any specific time where you didn't realize like or hold on let me rephrase that when you first realized how powerful your impact was on the young generation
1: when people come back and tell me about something that i did in someone else's life like how i you know um affected them or, or just the individual period. And, and I don't know that, but they'll bring it to my attention. Something, you know, it's something that you said some time ago or years ago or a week ago. And I, you know, I don't even remember, you know, I, I talk so much and to tell so many different people, I just, all I'm doing is giving my experience. So it's just yeah. no process, but yeah, I get, I do get positive feedback. And that's one of the reasons that I started my nonprofit uh, uh, organization, live the edge by example, because I want to be the example well, not just me. Everyone should be the example for what they want to see. So it's like Gandhi said, be the change you want to see. So you can show them better than you can tell someone. Yeah, so I'll show you better than I can tell you. So this is what works
0: for me. So I can give you my example. No, that's, so that, uh, no, no, you're right, though. It's better to uh, show than tell. Right. For sure. So you were talking about a former player of part of my French Browns. that's mm-hmm. in the NFL. Who's your NFL team?
1: Detroit Lions. That's what I said Derek Barnes. Uh,
0: did oh, I, didn't, I didn't hear you say Derek Detroit. Barnes.
1: Yeah. Derek Barnes played for Jeff Brown when he was at Purdue. So he's playing for my NFL team, Detroit Lions, right now. 55, a linebacker. So this is his third year. So I know I'm, I, I him I definitely went yep. way
0: over my head. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Yeah, check when you go to the – Speaking uh, of Detroit, man, um, if I'm a free agent, I want to go there. They got a great culture going on down there, right? It's insane. For the longest time, Detroit has, like, yearned for a coach that actually cares. Not saying that previous coaches didn't, but we all know majority of them, it showed they didn't care. They were just there for a paycheck. They got a guy, is about it, and we'll fight with them and for them. And you can see with what Campbell is doing over there, it's showing positive results. Like for the first time in a long time, people are speaking of Detroit in a positive fashion.
1: Well, you know, it's it's, it's obvious to see when someone does something with passion as opposed to when they're doing it for a check. <laughs> you know, a lot of people, you know, they teach for a check, but everyone can't teach. If you understand what I'm saying, you have to for make sure. it relatable. And, uh, you know, you you get in here and you're yelling at these kids and yelling and you're speaking like Charlie Brown's teacher. They don't understand what you're saying. They've never played sports in their life. You think about the youth sports programs and you get older players that have played the sport before, but they're yelling out terminology. These kids have no clue on what they're saying. You have to make it relatable and let them understand what's going on. So when you have a passion to teach and have a passion for people to grow with you and for you to grow with someone, Then it shows in your work. So that's what Dan Campbell is. He's a passionate guy that wants the best for his team. But a lot of guys, it's like, oh, they're too dumb or, 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 or impatient to even work with them. And that's when it goes over not only your head, but their head and you, you know you don't have good synchronicities, they call
0: it. Oh, definitely, definitely for sure. So what's something what was I can to say? What's something folks don't know about you?
1: Oh, it's tons they don't know about me. What 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 do they want to know? I'm not that interested. I mean what <laughs> what, what you know what would you like to know? Something you don't know about you know, I, I, like I what's a hobby
0: like? like a hobby of yours that you do to like give you something like a positive positive feelings. Like when you're not I, busy doing what you do.
1: I look at life like a hobby because I don't do anything that I don't want to do. You understand what I'm saying? Most people do what they have to do in order to survive, but I'm not at that point in my life. I'm able to do what I want to do and, and make it make a living, make it work for me. You understand what I'm saying? So like I have my sports apparel line competitors, is sports apparel you can go, um, Anthony is actually going to launch the site here soon, cesportsdesign.com. I love creating positive gear that gives you a positive message that uh, um, just inspires people to do well in life. So uh, um, hobby for me is just uh, um, just living, man, getting up every day and saying thank you and seeing where it takes and not being limited. Now, now, and this is most people's frustration. They're limited and they feel like they're boxed in right. form or capacity, whether it be in the, a, a relationship, a, a a job, or whatever it is. But when you detach from a certain outcome, like because most people are putting a a goal, or I, it has to look like this for me to be happy. When you detach from a, a outcome and you just allow life to be, then you just go with the flow instead of trying to force things to be like you want them to be. That will dispel the the the, the, the loosening of your head because that's what most people. Get caught up in his, their head on what things should be like instead of just, you know, living life and saying things.
0: That, that's definitely I catch myself sometimes being forgetful as far as uh like how fortunate I am. You know, like I told you those accidents that I had lucky to be alive. Right. Thankful. Uh, like straight up. I shouldn't I shouldn't be here to uh, I'm not saying I shouldn't be. There's a reason I'm still here. You get what I'm saying? But like retrospectively speaking, when it comes to those two near death, uh, very sincere uh, situations that happened, like I needed like I'm reminded of how lucky I am. Mm. You know, prime example with your situation like that could that could have been me like I broke my neck. Like that's what I need to remind. I remind myself often how fortunate I am. You know, we often lose sight of that.
1: Right. Gratitude. Thank
0: you. Definitely. So I want to cover two more things before we end this great conversation. I want to switch gears here and then get back to what we've been talking about. What's your thoughts on the current state of the NFL?
1: You know, it's entertainment, and I watch it. But I, 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 realized at an early age, even as a freshman, I'm a 200-pound fullback, soaking wet, maybe 200 pounds. I, I gotta hit 300-pound linemen in the mouth for a living. Now, when I was playing ball, we weren't taught to use our shoulders. Our helmets was our weapon. So I led with my head. So I called. I left a mark right here on from me pounding, you know, by guys much bigger, stronger, and faster than me. But at that unders- undersized weight, I had to beat them to the punch. So I'm running full speed at a, a man 100 pounds faster than me to stop them to, to, to spring my running back or to get a block or whatever it is I gotta do. Um, I realized at that age that my body wouldn't take too much of that. So I had to learn in my ego how to use a, cu- a to learn what, how to cut block because I didn't in high school. Everything was up high. So once I start chop blocking, I, I gave my body some relief but with that all that being said it's a brutal sport it definitely needs to be um to be uh, um monitored better because the movie concussion is real and I think what will Smith
0: I haven't seen that movie
1: oh you yeah. definitely need to watch it you definitely need to watch it everyone that's a minor that's under the age of 18 should watch that regularly before they go into and understand what it is they're getting into because the trauma. That, that, that happens when you have those head injuries. We used to call them bell ringers. You got your bell rung. But those are concussions. That's actually brain damage. That's hemorrhaging going on in the brain. I have conversations with former players right now. Say I had a conversation with my daughter, and one hour and an hour later, I don't remember what we, we talked about. Just because, you know, they lose, you know, I mean, just, I mean, just seriously, just several, not just one, but several different players have all kinds of stories about the brutality of the game. So so uh, the state of the NFL is uh, um, I know it's for entertainment purposes and I know it's geared toward the offense and uh, um, to try and take some of the violence out of it. But uh, um, it's definitely going to be needed to be tweaked some more to uh, to be mindful of the player's safety as well as uh, um, entertainment. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a violent sport and they don't get paid enough. I don't care what what people talk about as far as if they can pay it. Let them pay you. We don't discuss owner salaries, but we always talking about the player salary.
0: Definitely. Speaking of speaking of paying them, what's your thoughts on the uh, former uh, Louisville Cardinals situation for Lamar Jackson over there in Baltimore? I'm not. What do you mean, former?
1: What do you mean, his contract coming up?
0: I'm I'm saying former Cardinal player being in Baltimore, like so, like I don't know how true it is, but supposedly they only offered him 130 fully guaranteed and he's wanting more but i mean damn it if you're it's obvious the kid deserves it he deserves more than that you just if if you can give Deshaun Watson 230 fully guaranteed when he hasn't played it down in a year and a half for longer. You mean to tell me Lamar Jackson can't get at least what Kyler freaking Murray got? It, just- it,
1: it's all debatable and relative. One man's trash is another man's treasure. So, okay, they say, we don't want to pay you that much. We're going to move on from it. Someone else will. Or someone else may not. Or he may find himself, you know what I'm saying, getting less. You just don't know. Deshaun Jackson was just a, in, a, in a, a, I'm sorry, Watson was in a situation where he was just able to maximize, you know, what he was going through with that, at that particular time. But that doesn't mean it's going to follow that way for everybody else. Like I say, you know, you have to just weigh out. You have to, it's a feel thing. You have to understand, am I comfortable here? Does this seem, feel like a family or is it about the bag? If you chasing the bag, go chase it. If you if you think that's what it's about, if you think worried about the security of your family, then do what you have to do. What's best for your family, but it's not always about money. There are other variables in it that 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 we just don't see. We're all speculating, Correct. so I can't speak on what his worth is. I can't. It's like me saying how much are you worth, Corey? I can't put a value on you. I know he's going out there risking his life, his neck every every Sunday or every even in practice. We don't even talk about the injuries that occur in practice. Yep. So every day he's going out there putting his neck on the line. So, you know, I mean, it's just on what it, what is it worth to him and what is it what is it worth to, you know, the people that are on the team.
0: No, that's it's definitely that's definitely true. I just, you know, looking looking at it, people could say what they want. He's only got one playoff win. Look what he Look what he does though. He's already a it's been what 4 or 5 years. A league MVP, damn near won it twice in his first 5 years. We're Who talking about be? and we're talking
1: about revenue. Speak about how much money he's made the franchise. Speak Thank about you. How many jerseys he sold? Speak about how many tickets he sold. Yes. You're looking at it from, OK, how many games has he won? But OK, let's let's go. How much? Let's let's if you want to go dollar for dollar, let's do that. And if you can you can show me that, then we could talk about how much somebody's worth. It's just let like that a, man, let that man what? recruit what he's right, made you. Right, right, right. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's always going to be an ongoing conversation on somebody's worth. And it's not for me to speak on who's worth what.
0: Definitely, definitely. So, I want to ask you one final question before we end this great conversation. How does Herbert Henry want to be remembered? When Herbert's time is all set and gone, how does Mr. Henry want to be remembered? Oh, I
1: definitely want to leave a, a, a legacy of a, 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 a better place, you know, a place now that my, my uh, nonprofits, um, basically, I just rewrote that mission. It's basically is to a for all differently abled individuals, not just uh, disabled individuals, but we're all differently able. We all have different abilities in our own way. So, what it is that we want is a place everybody can express and share and 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 uh, and progress their abilities um and and, and um in a way that's uh, um productive to the community. You understand what I'm saying? So, yeah. what said, a, a holistic approach and well-being would be nurturing through a, um. Nutrition through sports and exercise, through uh, um, programs that teach individuals how to be more independent and take care of themselves. So, because we have too many people out here dependent on a government and a system to help them and show and uh, waiting on a check, as opposed to we can grow a garden. We don't need a, um, Kroger's to be open. If all the trucks shut down, guess what? We know how to grow our own food. So, so when you teach people how to be independent and free themselves from a systematic oppression, which we're all are under. We just don't understand it because we are looking for someone else to take care of us. But when we learn how to go back to a system of that we take care of each other, then we'll be better off. So if I can leave a place where, you know, we can grow as a community together, fruits, vegetables, um, exercise together, play together, you know, that would be the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Cause right now, We're looking for facilities to have our events at right now. And um, we don't have a permanent place where we can go daily as people in wheelchairs or people, blind people or walkers or people just looking for some kind of a um, healthy daily lifestyle. So um, I guess you would want to call it a a health and wellness center or something like that that I would like to leave behind with, uh, uh, with a, um, a base in agriculture. I like to teach the youth agriculture. So that would that would be my legacy. If I could teach anybody anything.
0: Herb, I want to thank you for your time, sir. Hopefully you enjoyed yourself as much as I did having this good conversation. I look forward to chatting with you again soon. And uh, this will be put out within the next few days, man. You take care of yourself and stay blessed.
1: Hey, you too, Corey. It was a pleasure. Thank you, sir.
0: Yes, sir. Peace How out. Good. Peace, yep.